All right, guys, today we're going to be talking about women who support Bernie Sanders, and we have with us Brandy Nicole and Meredith Matlin. You guys want to tell us a little bit about yourself? So I'm a Nashville native, born and raised here. Um, Unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> and I um, am passionate about making a real change in this world and just stand up for spreading truth. And that's what really attracted me to politics in 2016 when I heard Bernie Sanders for the first time. So I've supported him ever since. Cool. That's kind of what led me here. Meredith? Um, hi. Yeah, so I'm Meredith Matlin, and I am a congressional candidate in Tennessee's 5th District, running against incumbent Jim Cooper. And I've been a huge Bernie supporter and Bernie Krat since 2016 when he ran for the first time. And I'm excited to see him in the White House. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> cool. So where are we starting with, Meredith? Why do women support Bernie? Um, I think that there's this fallacy that if you're not a woman running for office you can't support women's issues but i think that if you look at bernie's record he has been the most comprehensively supportive of women's issues out of all the candidates in the democratic field right now and i think that he has an element of intersectionality to all his policies that proves that he understands how all these different issues like wealth inequality and healthcare inequality actually affect women how it's not just like these issues in a in that are siloed but they all affect women i think that he speaks to that consistently and that's why that spoke to me since day one can you explain intersectionality right now for yeah yeah i think it's to well the way i understand it is that it's how different a single issue will impact every person across all their identities and every issue intersects every other issue so it's not just that wealth inequality is a wealth issue and an economic issue it's also it disproportionately affects people of color disproportionately affects women um we have a, we still have a strong gender pay gap so it's not just an economic issue it impacts different people across the spectrum gotcha and women you know for a long time have been taking care of the kids you know and have to do all these things and now there's like a rise of single mothers and you know women who are out here trying to run their own businesses and like there is a disadvantage for women in these situations especially when you start to think about oh it's not only a woman but a woman who may be in poverty or not have a good job and not be able to supply for their kids so it's like one little piece of this really ripples out so I just really think it's important to see how it all intertwines. And for a long time, women haven't been created, excuse me, treated equally. Um, and that's caused a huge disconnection and dysfunction in our society on a lot of levels. So I think from a political standpoint, we have to pay attention and even if you're not necessarily into politics, you s I think we all need to chip in and just agree on this and try to come together and just, it's kind of everybody pushing out of their belief systems to try to find one common thing. And then, so when I think politics, the only person as far I can even trust is Bernie because of his consistency, because yeah. of, you know, 
my experience in 2016 and seeing the effect that he had on young people like all my friends everyone got involved and this is important so I just I'm just really passionate about his message and yeah <laughs> so you're saying that even even though people may have some differences that the most important part is breaking out of your comfort zone yeah just getting in there and then work worrying about yeah because I just believe the more energy you put behind anything it's just gonna people are going to pay attention to that mm -hmm. so um i think the democratic party is really split up right now um i'm not really familiar on a lot of the other candidates policies but i do know what i did listen to a lot of it was inspired by bernie i feel like like you didn't see people talking about climate change you didn't see all these candidates standing up for this until bernie got into the race like he set the game and then everybody's trying to like so that's part of the, like the consistency that people talk about yeah like and then people tried to pick up his traits in order to like win the vote when he was the one who came from the beginning so i'm just kind of like loyal to it and i actually protested in philadelphia before that oh cool you went to the yeah convention. so i seen like oh, firsthand <laughs> yeah the effect it had on this country and um there were a lot of women there you know so what are some of those things that he's remained consistent about because it's i hear about that a lot like what are what are some of the policies that he's been consistent on um i mean he's been supportive of pro-choice policies since the very beginning like before anyone was even talking about that uh he has been extremely vocal about including <coughs> maternity care and um free abortion in his medicare for all plan and i that's been from the very beginning before people were even talking about it actually i should check on the free abortion thing because I'm not what sure is that? that's right um i've josh I've, can pull it up yeah i've heard that he's included um free abortion in his health care medicare for all plan but i'm not sure if that's true but he's been really vocal about bodily autonomy and reproductive rights from the very beginning before people were even talking about it when people were talking about repealing roe v wade he would push forward on it um and he's been a supporter of lgbt rights since the 70s before it was even on anyone's radar and before a lot of his current supporters were even born um and equal rights for lgbt women not just gay men um and trans women and I, I think that's just something that resonates with a lot of people who thought that they were experiencing these issues in a vacuum and that politicians didn't reflect their experiences and i also i just to echo um what brandy right okay what brandy was saying i think that feeling like disillusionment was really huge i was also at the the protesting at the dnc convention um, in 2016 and I think that it was just like I mean and you can speak to this too I think there were a lot of women there and I think there was an air of both like excitement about the direction that the, or like the power we could have going forward but also a lot of disillusionment um, and feeling like okay now we have this woman candidate um, in 2016 we had Hillary Clinton but we felt at least speaking for myself that like she didn't actually represent women's rights in the way that like in a way that actually touched us i don't know you felt that way too well for me it was about the consistency like mm -hmm. um 
that's what drew me to Bernie. And just a side note, anyone can go on YouTube, and I'm pretty sure the video is like 30 years of Bernie, and it literally goes from like, I don't know the beginning, but each year, and it's recordings of him like preaching the same things. Like, so that's when I seen that, I was like, I don't really, that's enough for me. I don't really need all this. And then there's just too much information out there about the Clintons and then when you start thinking about the um, super PACs and like where they're actually getting the money and then he clearly stands up against that <coughs> by getting all these donations I think he just reached 5 million over this last quarter mm -hmm. so 5 million individual contributions I believe so what I was the, uh, the thing on Josh um about the abortion. Yeah, I didn't want to interrupt. So according okay. to Mother Jones, uh, it's actually, yeah, he would, uh, the Medicare fraud would include all health care, including uh, reproductive health care, which, yeah, would include okay, yeah, uh, abortion. So, Yeah. Has like, any other candidate said that? Um, I think that Elizabeth Warren has hinted at it, uh, but hasn't specifically outlined it. I believe that that has been specifically touched on in um, – Bernie Sanders Senate bill for Medicare for all um, so it's it's there in writing and he has spoken to it for years about how passionate he is about reproductive health care and especially living in the south and living in the Bible Belt where every day there's a new threat to a Planned Parenthood whether just vigilante people threatening it or funding being pulled that sort of thing yeah because they've they've in certain rural areas they've shut down right oh yeah because of different threats are these threats called in is that when they shut them down or um i'm not sure Do they get them like what check out when was the last threat on like a planned parenthood or something like that josh because i know it happens i guess they kind of treat them as like a you know if a someone called in a bomb threat to a school they obviously they shut them down yeah i'm trying to think of the state that it was um it was either mississippi or alabama there were only three clinics that provided not just planned parenthood but like three clinics total that provided abortion services and like comprehensive reproductive services um and i think two of them shut down in the last year and there's only one left but i don't remember if that was mississippi or alabama but it's like, it, especially if you live in a rural part of the South, it's such a threat to your autonomy as a woman. And yeah, I think that Bernie speaks to that the most potently. This may be a side note, but it's more just about like, that's the only issue that gets on mainstream media is abortion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much more to reproductive rights than just abortion. Mm -hmm. So. I was about to say, so... So, it, so they're, like, targeting Planned Parenthood, like, they're these murderers, when this is, like, a branch to provide, like, health service to women. So this is an attack directly on women. So, and Bernie, I'm almost positive has said he stood up with Planned Parenthood, right? Like, he's yeah, rallied and stuff. With mm -hmm. Yeah, so, of course, you know, I'm going to support Bernie. Just yeah. What would y'all say to some of those people? And again, I'm not try to speak for these things, but what would you say to these people? Because some of my nuanced idea of like Planned Parenthood or abortion, these things aren't like 
women just having abortions. There's you just mentioned there's other health things, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. some of these cases are like where the mother, if if the child's not aborted, the mother will die. My I have someone close to me that 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 was the case. Like, what are some of those nuances if someone's watching and they disagree with that? Like, what are they missing? Okay, uh, do they care about teenage pregnancy? I don't know. Like, that's <laughs> something I would ask somebody, you know, about it, you know, if... Because it's more than abortion, so I would ask them, okay, well, just don't even think about your opinion on that for a second. Think about where you stand on teenage pregnancy and, like, people getting tested for STDs and, like... Mm-hmm. Providing you know, contraception. Exactly, birth control, like all these things. And think about the consequences of if, especially young women, don't get these services. They're, you know, women are getting pregnant young, you know, because it, it just goes into a ton of issues. You know, there's also like sex education, you know, that goes into it. And so I just think that, um, We have to come together and think about the bigger picture on all issues. So they're they're more or less t- attacking an idea that you know they don't really understand the nuances in these discussions, mm-hmm. like the effects of these things, and mm-hmm. so they're just basically slapping it down. Or do you yeah. think that's correct? Yeah, and I think I mean there's it the statistic varies, but I think it hovers around only five percent of the services provided at Planned Parenthood are abortions. Like a lot of it is these other like miscellaneous things that fall into the category of reproductive health care but it's also just like like brandy was saying like it's like women's health care like cervical cancer screenings and pap smears that sort of thing um breast cancer screenings mammograms uh that we know are part of under the category of women's health and you don't necessarily traditionally think of that being like oh i'm gonna go to a planned parenthood but that that's a major provider of women's health services. And so threatening that is threatening women directly. Mm. I mean, yeah. Mm. I agree. Yeah. And what we need is equality. And you can't have equality if you attack a certain group of people just because you have an opinion. That's not the, that doesn't, we know what that leads to. It Mm. doesn't work. So. I just think that people need to remain open-minded and, you know, think about why do they only, why are you only focusing on one issue when, like, the mainstream media doesn't even cover maybe, like, 5% of what's going on right now. So people are thinking about things too narrow. I I really strongly believe that. Why do you think that is? Because I just think that there's... The mainstream media has an agenda, you know, like in order to keep people thinking one way. Mm-hmm. So if everyone's all like fighting against abortion, it oh, I agree, you disagree, you're a murderer, blah, 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 turning each other against each other, then like we can't actually sit down and have a logical conversation or like bring up other perspectives because you're so fired up against one thing. You know what I mean? Like I feel like it just kind of limits people. Mm-hmm. So there's a so thing. Just, I believe people trying to be educated on why they actually believe something and trying to just research it for themselves instead of just listening to, you know, me or Bernie, you know, just like use the, use the technology in front of you, use your phone. I just think that, yeah, there's, there's yeah, we more do to have, anything. We all have smartphones. Right. There, there's a thing in, in logic 
which is the study of reason. You hear that all the time. People say they're logical people, but in logic, what you just described is a false dichotomy. So it's when you only present two options to a, to a problem when, as you just said, there's probably uh, other outcomes. There's different mm-hmm. choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that that makes a lot of sense. And I think another thing that like Bernie talks about, like when he talks about the gender pay gap, another thing that exemplifies his intersectionality is that he just doesn't just say women make 80 cents on the dollar for men he says you know hispanic women only make 69 cents on the dollar Mm. um for white compared to white men and black women only make i should probably check on this to make sure i'm saying this right um i don't know 70 something cents on the dollar compared to white men like there's there is a a variegated disparity there um that so that would be an to. example of intersectionality yeah so even though it does affect everybody it's still yeah it affects everyone differently it, and worse than some people yes exactly okay. yeah and like when he talks about like everything that he talks about he understands or he at least seems to understand that it's all connected like he talks about he was talking about rural hospital closures before anybody else was that's something that he shows that he's paying attention to first of all a group of people that not weren't necessarily are largely not democrats i mean people living in like very rural areas that would be affected by a rural hospital closure um weren't initially maybe going to even vote for him but like that's a very relevant issue and he talks about issues whether they're going to be politically helpful to him or not and i think that that's also an issue that affects women because just like planned parenthood closures a rural hospital closure is is threatening women's health and why does that happen? Sorry? Why does that happen? Why are they? Um, so I I know that like one part of it is these huge healthcare monopolies kind of eating up hospitals and then con- making these healthcare conglomerates in major cities and also just like uh I'm trying to think how to articulate this. Like funding that's not equally distributed. So any state or federal funding that goes mm. to sorry? Oh uh, yeah. It's yeah. I'm already getting the picture. I'm sorry, but go ahead. <laughs> no, you're right. Just funding isn't equally distributed. If it, if it's not going to be profitable and a lot of rural hospitals aren't going to be very profitable, like they're going to close. <laughs> so instead of spreading it, they scoop these three guys out and then Sure, yeah. Put exactly. it 30 miles out of reach. Yeah. Of other I always hear about the boogeyman, the the government. <laughs> I try to say administration because uh, you know, obviously there's different administrations that do completely different things. So mm-hmm. it's not the boogie monster government why do some people not view like these huge conglomerates as you said like these huge healthcare agencies the same way like why is it always government because it's very uh, i mean it's not hard to look up for anybody it's not even something we gotta pull up but it's those companies that influence government not the other way around yeah why, why do people you think have that i think because we know that our government is basically the, i mean they're ran by the corporations so like, I don't know. I think for a long time people didn't realize that, so they thought it was the government. Yeah, wait but a it's minute. not anymore. But like now we realize it's actually not our government. It's the corporations coming in, and like putting you know big money in the politics and lobbying it and having private events and you know, what was it like? There's people that were 
I, I don't know, you'd have to find some examples, but like they'll be the CEO of one corporation and then all now all of a sudden they're like in some branch of government. Mm -hmm. Like that shouldn't be allowed. Um, is I could Josh <laughs> check this? I think that Rick Perry at one point was the CEO of HCA. I might be wrong though. Is I that true? I think Bill Frist wouldn't might surprise me. Point to you. Um, there are a lot of those um, like yeah. conflict of interest things. Rick Perry, CEO of HCA. I might yeah. be wrong about that. Was that? Or you might be just typing who is the the CEO. He definitely isn't now. Um, may have been on the board. Let me look this up. Well, that's not a, that's not a huge shock to people. I mean, I don't see. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I lied. No, no, Rick Scott. Yeah, yeah so it's Rick Scott. It, it was Rick Scott. Rick it was Scott. Rick Scott, but now it's okay, some dude yeah. named uh, Samuel ha Hazen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. It so was this Rick guy, Scott. so this guy is supposed to, s at some level, and this was Rick Scott. Now who we're talking about? Yeah, yeah, the senator from Florida who sucks. <laughs> So, so he's supposed to be lobbying and making laws in the interest of people, but yeah, he's on the board. Yeah, I you don't, I don't know if he is now. Um, but even if he was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At one point, at one point, Rick Scott, the senator from Florida, was um, the CEO of HCA, which seems like a huge conflict of interest, and, and it just kind of sucks for consumers too, because like HCA owns all these subsidiaries. Um, one of which I currently work for, uh, that are wonderful companies and startups that were thriving before being kind of either making this detrimental choice of I'm either going to be pushed out of the market or I have to be eaten up by a large corporation. Mm -hmm. And so I think another thing that Bernie talks about is like an expanding antitrust law and going- Which we used to have. Yeah, wh which we used to have. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that that would be huge too for allowing these these smaller hospitals, smaller healthcare organizations within the net, within the network and the framework of Medicare for all, allowing these smaller organizations to thrive. Because a lot of, I mean, it's not that HCA or any large healthcare conglomerate is inherently bad. Like, I don't think, I, and most of the, ooh, what am I saying? Um, most of the subsidiaries are wonderful places that are extremely patient focused and physician led and they mean it when they say it. but. The issue is they're working in this framework that the incentive is profit. And mm. if they have to make a choice between going under and being eaten up by a large corporation, it's like the lesser of two evils. So, yeah. So they don't. Yeah. I want to add to that. So think about it. Your hospital, you know, our hospitals are being ran by a corporation. Mm -hmm. So that means they're going to do everything to make the hospital the most profitable they can. So how can you trust anybody that works in the hospital? To, you know what I'm saying? Like some doctors are working for these companies because if they prescribe more pills, they make money. Yeah. What? So this is about recognizing the system for what it really is and realizing that they've been doing this for a, like, when I say they, I mean like pe these people who are in charge of these corporations going into the government or paying people in the government to write laws for them. So this is a like every issue. This is capitalism. Like this is mm. the reality. People need to accept what it is and come together and see the bigger picture. And yeah, it might be under Bernie, but we're like he keeps saying it's change starts from the bottom, mm -hmm. from the bottom up. So every time 
you know, you watch his videos, everyone's yelling, Bernie, Bernie, Bernie. And he's like, oh, not, not me, you. Mm. And he's just like really stressing that. Where is there another candidate saying that? Mm. I mean, if there is, enlighten me. I just haven't seen it. No one was doing, I will say that. No one so was doing the 27 me. per donation thing before 2016. Now it seems every candidate does the. Yeah. The they tw- just kind of copy him and make it their own. That certainly <laughs> is objection. Yeah, that's objectionable right there. You, They absolutely took that from Bernie Sanders. What? Just to give people a frame of restaurant reference, Josh, what was the. Uh, there was a, just recently, uh, not too long ago, a physician or a, a little clinic that was basically giving out prescriptions to pain pills like they were candy i think it was north carolina could you pull that up you familiar with that are you talking about like the like the opiate crisis like yeah well just on the the, the the as um brandy said you know some people don't understand that some people are influenced by some of that corruption you know to to produce more profits to, instead of really what would you say like I'm looking for the words here. So the, Instead of, uh, the system is designed to make profit. So yeah. that means if you're going in and you're only seeing the doctor for like five minutes, how can the doctor really diagnose you? They usually just, a lot of them will just give you a prescription. Like you can go in there and literally ask for it and they'll give it to you and that's your doctor's Right, appointment. so instead of diagnosing so people, they're just this is the servant this is like they're we're being cheated you know there's so much more to a person you know you can't you can't know that in five minutes so so yeah there's this doc- i'm just pulling it up sorry didn't we, interrupt. there's yeah, a it, doctor who yeah was found guilty uh oh, he was writing yeah, thousands of uh prescriptions uh, he got found guilty of unlawful. Was this in North Carolina? Yeah, it, was in, it was in North Carolina. Yeah. It was in North Carolina. Uh, you yeah. can watch a clip. It's it's really kind of comical. Well, it's not comical at all, but <laughs> John Oliver did a, did a segment on it, and you can see the cars pulling in and out of this place, this, mm-hmm. this distri- distributor place, and, I mean, they're just rolling in like a quick stop, like yeah. it's McDonald's. <laughs> and yeah. you, you obviously can tell that something's up. Um, these people. Yeah, and I think – sorry, I didn't mean to – No, no, you're good. I think that um, – like with that, when it comes to like, and I mean not to nuance things too much, but like I, so I, what made me want to get into this congressional race was um, I work in cancer research and I was getting very fed up. I mean, I'd always been passionate about these things, but I was getting very fed up with watching patients in our uh, research studies die because they couldn't afford care or they were uninsured or underinsured. And so they didn't get a screening in time for something very detectable like breast cancer or cervical cancer something like that and i'd say like doctors at least in the cancer space it's like it's more when it comes to the profit incentive that applies so clearly to hospitals and hospital expansion and these huge hospital conglomerates and then when it comes to individual doctors it's even with laws in place that try to prevent this it comes down to them being paid by pharmaceutical companies like even the hospital incentive to make profit is in terms of like how bad it is is rivaled by the pharmaceutical industry's predatory practices and i mean we saw this with the opioid epidemic and it's it is visible in every line of care um 
So if you do fall prey to something like this, you don't necessarily have the money to even well, fight it. And I yeah. have something to add to also, and it's about the insurance companies. So let's say you go in and you are diagnosed with cancer, and insurance is going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. You're limited to what they say mm-hmm. they're going to cover. Mm-hmm. If you want treatment somewhere and you feel like, you know, that's what you want for your health care, you don't have the freedom to say that. They get to choose your options. Mm-hmm. And I just think if people need more freedom over their health care in general. So that's taking the control away from these corporations and back to the people. And that's in everything. Mm-hmm. And that kind of flies in the face of like the idea of a free market, right? So, so these conglomerates get so big that they basically deem what's profitable. And then anybody that would say want to start up an a insurance company and cover you, they can't really do that because the lobbying yeah. power, is that how that works? It's like monopoly. Mm-hmm. That's like uh, what these corporations are doing. I believe that's what it's called. It's, it's like we were playing monopolizing. Mon- yeah, exactly. Like the game monopoly. Everyone knows that game. That's, so like that's we, real y'all, life. Y'all came in, <laughs> and I've got the monopoly board set up, and I'm like, let's play, guys. I've already played with like 30 other people today, <laughs> and I'm like, here you go. You can. Yeah, exactly. And it's like one time I was playing with my sister, and I got the the what's the best space you can get i forget it's like right next to go boardwalk it's like the best space you can get on there right Mm -hmm. so then i put like all the houses on it so she landed on it once and was gone you know done and that's what these corporations are doing to like these small businesses coming in and like that yeah they just come in and bam the other people can't keep up so if you say you you support small business or women and you on the same token support these things and it's it really is very contradictory oh absolutely <laughs> it yeah. doesn't yeah if you say you support small business and then in the same breath want to decrease regulations on these huge corporations it's like a complete hypocritical thing to say hmm. i agree with that 100 percent um and there's women to tie it back into women a lot of us myself included who want to start their own business mm-hmm. and it's you know, there's just a lot of brick walls, you know, when you start to think about trying to do something on your own when it comes to the competition. Like, nobody can keep up with Amazon. Mm-hmm. Who the hell can? And I'm guilty. We all use it because we're broke. Mm-hmm. And it's the cheapest thing. So they do it on purpose. It's true. So, yeah, like, so how do we break away from that? So I think it just, it really does, I know it kind of gets off topic sometimes, but like it all ties back in and going back to what you said with Bernie, he recognizes that there is connection to all the issues. So that's another reason, you know, and why is it that women only can be outraged about abortion? Mm. We can be outraged about other things too. And it's time people see that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I mean, as far as the abortion topic, there was something that again and and this isn't always great but people need to look at this and not be like this but there was someone i know that was strictly anti-abortion and there was a circumstance that came down the pipe and when it came to make that decision i can't get into detail uh, but they were no longer anti-abortion it was a life or death matter and you know they they felt a certain level of regret because um you know they had this staunch position but when faced with it themselves they immediately had to be like okay there are circumstances where you know this is obviously warranted and and i don't want anybody making this decision for me Mm -hmm. right now but Mm -hmm. 
What I mean, where do you think that stems from? Is it? I think a lot of things like people are just thinking about it in black and white. Like yeah. it's either or. Like looking at two things like we were seeing earlier and thinking that's the only options. Just like ironically, Democrat or Republican. Mm-hmm. Why do we only have two options? That's why we like that Bernie was an independent. <laughs> exactly. So here's someone. A lot of people don't know that. Mm-hmm. Here is someone in the gray. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're at. And but the media is going to only show you two. They only want two sides. Yeah. Because they want people in argument. They want people in disagreement. Makes for good television. Yeah. I, I don't know. Just going back to what you were saying about like the illusion of choice, I think that that's really important to talk about, and it comes to healthcare and really like everything when it comes to like corporations monopolizing the market and stuff. I don't know. Have you heard of Wendell Potter? Mm-mm. He's like a former insurance executive who became a whistleblower. Um, and Wendell Potter. Wendell Potter. I Wendell think he, Potter. Yeah, I think that's his name. Um, and he. Yeah, you can look that up, Josh. Thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah, just tell Josh is the, the fact checker. <laughs> yeah. Um, Extraordinary. He, he kind of went off on Twitter recently, and I really liked this point that he made about the illusion of choice um, in the American healthcare system. I think that's something that um, Pete Buttigieg talks about a lot that really grinds my gears and just like anyone who's knowledgeable about this issue it just like drives you nuts because he talks about like oh i don't want to remove choice from americans and it's like Mm. that is just so misguided um because it's so clear that the thing that's throttling our choice right now is our allegiance to insurance companies by definition like we cannot choose our doctors we have to choose what's in network we can't choose who we're referred to because of that we can't choose the brand of drugs that we're prescribed and so yeah, Wendell Parker goes into detail about that. <laughs> that that happened to me actually. Uh-huh. I I had a I had a doctor that I went to and I would just go to him. I, I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't go often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe once in five years, whether I need it or not. Mm-hmm. But um, I would go to him and I go right next door to the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. And when I switched companies, uh, I, I learned that the the pharmacy next door wasn't no longer covered. So yeah, I had to nice. drive a half hour out of my way. Um, so I didn't have any choice there. Exactly. They told me where I was going because they got paid that way. It exactly. And it's ridiculous. like it, people don't understand that Medicare for all isn't removing your choice. It's giving you choice. It's giving you the choice to choose your doctors and everything's included. Any pharmacy you go to, prescription drugs are going to be covered no matter whether it's a Rite Aid or a CVS. It's not going to matter. And and so I think the whole it gives us this illusion of choice like, oh, I'm on United Healthcare and I'm on Aetna. Like, oh, we have so much choice. But it's Yay. like, it's like first of all, your employer decides that anyway. If you do have insurance, if you're lucky enough to have insurance, you can choose between the four major companies, you know, just like United, Blue Cross, Aetna and Cigna or whatever. And then, much. and yeah, and then your employer chooses it for you anyway. So you really don't have any choice. If you had Medicare for all, then you could just actually choose wherever you wanted to go. You could choose your doctor. And there would be competition. Yeah, and actually. you'd go, and there'd be no copay. You'd just go in and go out, like every other developed world nation. <laughs> so, so that's so that's largely true. So there's a, most of the countries in the world are running the system that mm-hmm. Bernie wants. I have right? something else to add to that. Okay. Yeah, totally. Also, it's like when you go to the hospital, you have no choice in what you're getting charged for. Mm-hmm. They decide the cost of everything because mm-hmm. I you will have to fact check this but my friend had her baby and she said on her bill just for him for the doctor to pull the baby out was fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars that's nuts fifty thousand dollars for someone to deliver your baby mm-hmm. 
something that is natural to women. That's a disgrace to women. That's an attack on women. I don't agree with that. And I don't think that that should be a charge. That is a part of life, and people need to recognize that. Yeah, so Stop. See the significance of things. If she's close to... Now, I actually, I had a, my appendix removed. Mm-hmm. So... I, I can equate these two a little bit, but I understand how it definitely affects. birth to your appendix. I, I did not give birth to my <laughs> appendix, but what's funny is, um, no, it gave birth to me. It was terrible. Uh, but when I went in, um, I, f- I discovered that they were charging exorbitantly more for something. And the truth is, is if you go in with these bills, often the courts will say they'll, they'll start, they'll have to pr- produce an itemized receipt and they're really, Hey, <laughs> You're kind of price gouging. Everybody else charges this. But I, in this particular case, I had an emergency. I had to go to that hospital. They didn't give me, a, it wasn't like I went to the grocery store and went through, gave, got an itemization of, well, here, this is going to cost this much. It wasn't like a business, you know, mm-hmm. dealing. So if a woman is pregnant, she don't get to go price shopping before, if she's due, she's due. She has to go wherever in close yeah. proximity. Mm-hmm. So that's a, is that a good idea of where and something? And she doesn't get to choose how long she's in labor for. My friend Ooh. was exactly. in labor. Some women are in labor for 33 hours. And guess what? I hope she did. I'm not going to say her name, but I hope, you know, I, I do want to share her story because this is an outrage. So she goes 33 hours in labor. Then, you know, the doctors are pushing her to have her child circumcised. She doesn't want it. She's saying so many doctors came in. So they're, like, pressuring women to circumcise their children, which they're going to charge for. That's definitely something I don't think men have a choice in. (laughs) Men don't have a choice in that either. Mm, So that's another thing. So this is not just – I mean, it is – it's a – isn't everybody? I think everybody. It, yeah, it's like a issue. It's a family issue. People don't. I mean, I think conservatives like to talk a lot about how they value family, but I think that they don't understand that the rights of the family are being violated every time something happens in a healthcare setting that is financially jeopardizing the family, or every time I don't know a natural disaster that's preventable that happened because of climate change hits their family. Like these are all like family issues and conservatives don't, or Republicans like don't want to talk about that. Now, would you agree that, that some, some of that is largely due to circumstance that they haven't had those circumstances? Cause I, I would find it hard to believe that if any person that, you know, say they, they took their wife to a hospital and mm-hmm. then that happened to them where they go down the itemized receipt and they're like, Whoa, you are, price gouging everybody mm-hmm. at that point do you think they they're no it. longer yeah i don't see what person could be like well yeah okay that that's makes sense. that's like, completely legitimate mm-hmm. we you know we could have we could have went to that other hospital mm-hmm. yeah there's Not no really, there's no choice and also so in her there's people in this situation every all the time so you go through a 33-hour labor you have all these complications and then as a woman she was up for 33 hours plus however long it took to get discharged. And then, like, not even two days later, her husband had to go back to work. So then she's at home by herself with a newborn mm. after going through such a traumatic event. Mm. And this is happening all the time. And women don't have any means of getting babysitters or any kind of help. There's no system in place for this. Mm-hmm. So, like, we've got to get 
some policies in and if bernie's opening the door to that then yeah you know that's important to me and people need to pay attention is that one of the things bernie supports is like paid maternity paid maternity yeah yeah Yeah, we're like one of the only countries in the developed world developed world that josh can you pull that up that doesn't have mandatory paid maternity leave i think Um, how many countries have paid maternity leave some countries even have paid maternity leave for both the man and the woman like that's equality (laughs) paternity leave no paternity leave really is though yeah like a women's issue it's a family issue it's having like parental leave and you know that that begets equality inherently yeah i'm looking at right now among 41 countries only u.s lacks paid paternal leave wow yeah Uh, 41 powerhouses were the only ones without it yeah and it's it's a drag people think that like that like it's a drag on the system on the economy to have women away from work for that long but in reality it would boost the economy to allow women to recuperate and then actually go back to work when they're ready (coughs) i mean yeah that's inherent people aren't thinking about like also, you have to think about the bigger picture. What are the effects of this on the child? Mm-hmm. This is a person, uh, you know, an innocent child that just got born and has no rights, obviously. Like, they're, it's just like a victim to the circumstances kind of thing. And a lot of times there are psychological effects. You know, if a child doesn't get proper care, you know, it, if the mother's working all the time, if the dad's working all the time and they're at a babysitter, a lot of times mm-hmm. the proper raising of someone just goes through the cracks and that's we're seeing a culture now where we don't know how to connect with each other because our first you know when we're supposed to be connecting with someone they're having to go to work that's not right you know that's so it's if we want to survive issue like we need to change it a lot. that kind of probably wraps up in the crime too if the parents aren't there to do the upbringing and things like that they're strapped to be working 50 plus hours now now the child is kind of out there doing things he's more susceptible to which is really weird it flies in the face again with people who want to stop mm-hmm. crime and things like that yeah i think and josh you might have to <laughs> check me on this but i think that um new york city is one of very few cities with uh universal pre-k and that's another huge thing like bernie talks about that a oh, lot okay. too yeah and that did not know that yeah i am is I'm this is this true is what she speaks true josh yeah fact check me <laughs> new york the only yeah i'm actually on the new york uh, government website now yeah uh pre uh free pre-k for four-year-olds and free full day high quality pre-k teacher so yeah they have a pre-k for all uh for all gives children stronger math and reading skills in elementary school yeah. And yeah yeah and that's that's something that i think seems preposterous to a lot of people who don't want to they're like oh we already spent too much money on education or whatever but like having that sort of child care in place would allow women the freedom to i mean obviously maternity leave wasn't wouldn't last until a child is four but like allowing that economic freedom for both parents and allowing education to start earlier would ameliorate all those issues so <laughs> so you mentioned you were studying to what what exactly was your field cancer I oh yeah so i i work in cancer research right now so so you 
No, give me if I'm wrong. I don't want no, yeah, put yeah. words in your mouth. But so if you are, so you're you're going through school, you're paying all that. Um, is your hope that when you get out? I, I'm not in school anymore, but yeah. You're not in school. Oh, so <laughs> no, you're, yeah. you've already got your research. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I I finished my undergrad in 2017 and my master's in 2018. Oh, okay. So that's kind of <laughs> the point I was getting to. I was all right. So so you so now you you could probably skunk a lot of people in a lot of different subjects. Let's just be skunk? real. Just like knock them down <laughs> you could beat so. you, you could beat people in a spelling contest that's what i'm saying <laughs> my point is <laughs> how, how easy because this is the, always the thing is well just you know go go start up your own mm. research facility <laughs> like how realistic like how what barriers do you face if you wanted to so you probably have all the capability in the world to do that but you mm. can't because of certain obstacles yeah. like what are those obstacles um, you mean to, like, if I wanted to start my own facility or something like that? Right. Say, say you had the cure for cancer. Okay. <laughs> um, she doesn't. Uh, we didn't say that she did. Mm. But I'm saying, I guess what I'm saying is one, one of the things I hear a lot is that, that it's just easy to go out there and you can just, basically, it's the rah-rah speech, right? Mm-hmm. Just go out there and fix it. You have all the power in the world. Mm-hmm. But that's not true. Yeah. So you have the smarts and the capability to, to do these things, right? Yeah. With it, okay. <laughs> but I guess my how what where where are the barriers? where's the realisticness of that? Where what is pragmatic in what you can do even with your experience? Um I think that so I think there's the whole like pull yourself up by your bootstraps that. fallacy. Um I mean what you're what people who are at a disadvantage are competing against is intergenerational wealth. Um, I think that that's something that AOC like tweeted about recently that like really spoke to me is like there's such a disparity in depending on your upbringing on how you'd even access education in the first place. I'm really lucky to have had really generous financial aid. Otherwise, like I wouldn't even have gone through school in the first place. But um, I think that it's there in a place that especially like Tennessee that doesn't have a lot of support in place for f- for the I think that hmm, I'm trying to think how to put this like the idea that like deregulation is good for small business like we were talking about before is in my opinion kind of a fallacy because that the fact that there isn't any support for people trying to start start something new whether it is some sort of healthcare organization or a hospital or a research facility means that it's just there are too many financial barriers to start um and i think sorry no no go ahead yeah um i think also the the idea that it would seeing these monopolistic corporations especially in healthcare eat up these smaller facilities kind of gives a gloom and doom picture for anybody who would try to be entrepreneurial in that arena um because in the end you're probably going to end up working for one of those big corporations. Um. So, so the, one of the things I kind of wanted to point out to that, because I know this is true. Mm-hmm. So you can't really, you're inhibited mm-hmm. in what you can do with your research and your knowledge yeah. because of these things that are in place. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can add to it also because I know somebody who had a PhD and this was like a different country and everything. But it was like there was politics in his college and you know he had a ton of research on something but then it was like when you go to submit it um they critique the hell out of it and it has to be like you know meet these standards 
Mm-hmm. So it's like sometimes people will have will be there's a lot of scientists and stuff literally sitting on years and years of research because they can't get it published in a journal. So and uh, then there's also cost to these journals. So it's not like me or you can get into it. Right. You have to pay for it. Why is that information not allowed for the public? Correct. So thing. so on that and that kind of that's one thing I wanted to touch on real quick because you hear I hear a lot of times where people invoke the founders of this country and things such as the second amendment but the founders were completely opposed to like aristocracy like aristocracy and as george washington said governments of a monarchical caste mm-hmm. so so meanwhile while you have a masters blake that has a you know just his dad owned this healthcare company gets put in as a ceo so everybody would be silly if they didn't think you could school him that's what i'm saying so so (laughs) you if you don't kind of agree with some of this you don't believe in meritocracy yeah i think that to a certain extent yeah i think the meritocracy idea is i mean kind of ridiculous because it doesn't actually like, I agree with you. I don't think that it's actually in place in this country. I think that... It could be you, good in practice if, yeah, if we like, actually did it. It'd be great if the people who were best at what they do rose to the top, but that's not how it works. But that's what everybody... That's how everybody thinks it works. Yeah, exactly. And I think just to... I think I was kind of um, a little confused about your question before, but I think what, what maybe i'd love to get at was like what i might have not articulated no, no, it no, well no. i think that was on me yeah you can scratch everything i said um no, no I, I think that like the barriers at least like so i i what i do in my job outside of my congressional campaign which has become like the major part of my life lately but my my like i don't know my nine to five job or whatever my day mm-hmm. job um probably wouldn't exist if we had medicare for all um and because I kind of serve my in my formal capacity, I coordinate huge uh, buckets of data to create um, to synthesize research that tells a story about someone about a group of people's prognosis or the outcome. I work in an outcomes department, so it's like a cancer outcomes department. And it's like the outcomes of different cohorts of cancer, different diagnoses, and that sort of thing, and data is people don't realize that medicare for all would just help research so much because data because we have this siloed system is also siloed so we can't get a big picture about what happens to even cancer patients because it's in like 10 million different places and so you can't synthesize it because each one costs 10 million dollars to access and doesn't want to give you the whole picture because they have an a profit incentive so that's that's like a barrier that i have in like my day-to-day job that is really frustrating is like in research medicare for all would be so helpful for people who are doing any sort of research about the big picture of things like cancer or hiv outcomes like anything that has to do with the big picture of any disease cohort you need data and because of our fractured system we have these data silos and that's on top of all the other problems of having like patients who couldn't access care and died before they even got to our study. Wow. Yeah. So that's like something, I mean, I could get on my soapbox about that because it's so frustrating. So in my layman's, very layman's terms, what you're essentially saying is that with, with if we went to a single payer Medicare for all system, that you would be able to spend your time actually saving lives and on a lot broader research than what you're able to do 
Yeah, I think that researchers, I mean, I'm very, like, low-level in my department, so I wouldn't be, like, probably doing anything important. But, but other people <laughs> like you, too. But, like, people who um, who are, you know, I don't have a PhD. I can't really call myself, like, a scientist. But scientists and um, oncologists and people who actually do have the capacity to literally save lives would be able to have so much more of an impact if we had Medicare for all because not only would patients be able to come to them when they first experience symptoms or just for regular screenings because they'd have insurance um, but also from the research perspective we'd be able to study huge cohorts of people without experiencing these data silos um, and being able to like make this conglomerate to make decisions about care so like hospitals will make decisions about how physicians that trickle down to their physicians about how they're going to treat patients. They'll do regular checks about like, oh, how is this service working or whatever. Like, let's say when a patient with this type of cancer comes in, our standard is to do this testing and then do this chemotherapy regimen. But if we don't have all the data on all those patients because they have six different insurance companies behind them and then they're put into 18 different medical record companies then there's no way to study that and so if a doctor is like oh i think that like this isn't really working well they'll go to their upper management their upper management will come to a department like ours and say can you do a study on this and then we'll look and be like well this isn't really feasible um so you're just gonna have to keep Time. doing what's the status quo wow so yeah. what i understand is the corporations they have literally like complete control right now of everything that's going on from how businesses run to the competition to the people who work there and like what they're allowed to do with the information that you know like the data and it's just yeah it's mostly like insurance companies that have that control mm -hmm. and exercise it well for some for some people that will be watching i think one thing that kind of opened my eyes to these things were and not that i'm a huge henry ford fan or anything but when Henry Ford was going to try to make the automobile for the everyday person, right? They had, there was a company, I believe it was Allmac. I don't know. We don't have to check that. You can Google it. Name <laughs> is irrelevant, but they had a patent on the car. So they were this huge conglomerate that everybody had to go to if the Dodge Brothers or whoever it was wanted to go make a car. They'd have to go to these guys and basically pay homage to them <laughs> to be able to make a vehicle. And that was eventually overturned. What was it? So I guess the way I, I was told, and you can go research into this history yourself, but I believe it was Teddy Roosevelt who broke up Big Steel. And then subsequently they lost all that lobbying power. And then Henry Ford was able to take them back to court, get the right to make his own car. And then that. So what level, where do you think the disconnect is where people don't understand how much this inhibits innovation? I can add on that because I saw, um, if you're familiar with the show, Adam Runs Everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he had one about cars on there. He does. Really. And I remember it. And he was talking about how before there were cars, everyone just walked, you know, yeah. obviously. And Horse actually, buddy. these car companies came in and would pay off the city to build, like, roads. So the reason that we even have the interstate systems and all that was from the beginning about making money. Like our transportation system is designed for like the car companies too. That's why we don't have public transportation mm. like we should also. So and then that thing. ties onto an attack on poor people and women and people who don't have the same opportunities as, you know, mm -hmm. a rich white male. Yeah, exactly. Basically, exactly. You know? Yeah, I think like, it sucks because I, I think we do 
a lot of it's really easy to like demonize the wrong people in this i don't know i think that like at these large at the heart of these large monopolistic corporations are people who are completely driven by a profit incentive Mm -hmm. but then like at the lower levels like i can speak personally about this i work with all people who are extremely passionate about curing cancer and patient care and doing what's right for a patient and we all talk about how frustrating the system is i think that everyone is just kind of either disillusioned and become resigned to it or they're like i want to fight it but i don't know how and people even people working in these systems because everyone i work with is on the same page here like they're very passionate about patient care and just like frustrated with this broken system i can add something to that about like alternative healthcare too because there's also a a lot of popularity going to like eastern practices so like myself i'm studying massage therapy become a therapist and when it comes to like a medical perspective some of like my field is just now being recognized to be able to help with things like cancer and all these you know really serious medical conditions like and that's you know an industry like massage therapy there's such a stigma to it also that people aren't educated on what other options are available for these you know chronic diseases and cancers and things because they're only given the option of like drugs or whatever the corporations who are in charge allow to be offered so there's people i think the reason they're following just these ideas is mainstream media they threw the idea out there and they've got a lot of people on one side or the other so people are just seeing those two options and they're not actually taking the time to research it themselves they're just like kind of jumping on the bandwagon of things or you know they have to agree with their family or you know basically people just aren't thinking for themselves like they should be Mm -hmm. and a lot of that has to do with probably the education system and that you know that just starts to tie in a lot of other things too about i think like the pharmaceutical industry like controls the curriculum in some medical schools too so it's like not they're controlling the healthcare, they're controlling the hospital they're controlling the college they're controlling the cost of all of it and we have no say in it yeah so if we want to have a job where we can make money we have to decide to learn what they want us to work how they want us how they want us to and pay us you know it's just like we have no freedom I mean, yeah, they're like it's the, the Sackler the family. Is, that's know. like the family, one of the major families behind the opioid crisis is one of the biggest, largest funders of NYU Medical. Who, who is this? The Sackler family. Sackler family. Oh, oh that's a whole nother can of worms. Yeah. 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 I only know that tidbit because I have a friend who goes to school there. Um, but um, I mean, yeah. And it's like they have this like very confusing relationship with this really terrible family because they're like okay well they're funding they're part of the reason that all nyu medical students go to school for free right now but at the same time they're the reason that millions of people are dead so like yeah what can't what's just one little quote can you find the the sackler i think is it james sackler oh they're just bad people (laughs) he had a quote on the the epid uh epid i can't even speak opioid epidemic um it was pretty uh crass if you can find it yeah i saw like a john oliver just so, 
Yeah, John oh, Oliver did a piece really on it. If anybody wants to watch it, it's great. That was what what you were saying reminded me of. Um, I I used to be really skeptical of like alternative medicine and alternative treatments as a person. I mean, my sister is a cancer survivor, so I I think the direct my career direction is pretty obvious because of that. Um, but like I used to be very skeptical because I'm very science minded, and I recently read an NPR article that was kind of old about um how there's a very cheap way to treat early symptoms of sepsis. Um, it has something to do, this is this is the second thing Josh can <laughs> fact check. It has something to do with like vitamin C injections, but because it's so readily available and not profitable for pharmaceutical companies, it just like hasn't been pursued. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely attest to that. There are a lot of things that are unknown to people nowadays like everyone just goes to the doctor but you if you just think back to yourself what did people do before the doctor yeah if you just think about that well the earth was always here people were always living on the earth Mm -hmm. so people the cure is in nature you know to a lot of these things and you can fat check that with the whole i don't remember his name the guy who invented penicillin i think it has something to do with uh a mushroom like I can't remember, but some of these major drugs that the corporate, you know, the major prescription drugs are actually created from nature, mm-hmm. or just but it has like a huge price on it when you could literally, so for example, like when you get sick, a lot of times, you know, you want to go to over the counter and get like a Claritin or cough medicine, like if you have a common cold, but um, I actually make something called elderberry syrup. And I swear by this. I take it anytime I feel like I have an allergy or anything, and I never get, I've never gotten sick. And like, there's all this information on it, but like, people just don't know, mm-hmm. you know. And a lot of, and I think this also ties back into women because back in the day, who, you know, who were women were at home. They were taking care of the land. You know, they were in touch with the plants. They they knew a lot about the medicine. So it's like shunning women out of like their nature too. this whole thing nurturing nurturing nature yeah and so i think it's just all relevant and it has to be looked at like that and uh all these questions have to be asked it might seem like a simple solution and i think that's what people want is like a quick fix so that's why you know just agreeing to something Mm. It's, e- it's easy to just agree so, so dissonance people's it's, dissonance kind of makes them go gravitate towards something yeah like it's harder to to have an opinion about something that you don't have any blueprint for you know like it's people people are afraid of that you know i think um so it sounds like because you know it can go back to so many things like if you're a lot of us you know in our families we're like in the south we're the only ones that are progressive like some of our parents are conservative and that's been really hard on like it's affected families and stuff too like just the whole political thing so this whole bipartisan two choices i think is what we we somehow have to figure out a way to Around change that maybe taking each issue separately mm-hmm. separate. so yeah. it, it sounds like you know as far as bernie sanders goes like women's support for him kind of a top-down thing medicare is obviously a big portion that affects a lot of other issues like how do we 
if we were to give people three steps on how to start changing this, where would we start? Start changing the the system. Like, what would it be? Like, what if you just gave a if we had a five step process of how people can engage like as individuals or like as individuals as maybe organizing um, as groups i would say as a woman it's your right to be educated on your reproductive health so you know start talking about it start getting with other women in your life having these hard conversations uh that's number one you know researching it you know i can also reference a book called tracking your Fert- fertility and that talks about like natural forms of birth control, like things that women don't, we just aren't educated about. Like we're, it's just all these other options are shunned out and we're only presented, you know, a certain thing to choose from. So I'd say, you know, reach out to your friends, have these conversations. Number two, you know, think about your health, you know, what do you need? And start trying to s- find things, you know, like research trial and error and what works for you and and see if some of these healthcare places offer it like for me personally I do a lot of like yoga and like meditation and that's not covered by healthcare mm-hmm. so I think it and it's also more than women it's everybody like when it comes to your health what's important to you and then try to try to seek that out and yeah it's and it's more expensive to seek the alternative healthcare physicians like I had to pay $300 just to go to integrative doctor Mm. and even with my health insurance I still had to pay $30 a month just to be because that's what he needed to stay in business to keep up because so it's not research so so even if you go through the process sorry this is going off topic a little bit of becoming like an integrative doctor which means he was already a medical doctor and then he went and and done some uh studying with holistic so he kind of like put the two together so he knows both sides of things so that's cool yeah and but they have a harder time because he had to go like his private practice because his scope of practice isn't going to fit into a hospital you know because he's not going to be able to keep up with the same standards like the corporations because maybe some of his methods aren't profitable Mm. so it's all no, that's true it's all i actually had an experience where i went to my doctor he kind of is on the cusp of that he he tries to do holistic stuff and if he goes at, at the end of the day he's honest he's like hey if these things don't work you will have to go to a hospital and, and take these things but i'm gonna try these but um when one of the, the items he gave me to do was literally uh i was just deficient in, in vitamins essentially and he told me to take a shot of apple juice and salt. And I asked him for how long. He said, until you get better. And he says, if this, if these things progress, then you have to go to the emergency room. But I got better. And what's funny is he didn't make any money out of that. <laughs> he didn't, right. you know, I got, you know, I took his advice. I, I did what he said and ended up not having to go get an IV and everything else. So it's to all the doctors out there, you know, that's what they can do. Just, you know, the good be honest, like tell the truth, you know, st- don't just think what you learned in school is the is the whole story you know yeah. like yeah. just dip your toes in some of these alternative things and like see for yourself and get, get do your, your own research zone. and that's what i think is it's a people you have to take it this seriously like it's a responsibility like you have to be the one to actually educate yourself on it so that you're that's where you're the accountability you hear mm-hmm. that accountability chip thrown around a lot but mm-hmm. some people are not very really accountable when it comes to their own research if they're honest with themselves what do you think 
Yeah, I think also, like, I have a lot of friends in medical school right now, and I just encourage them constantly to educate themselves about gender bias in medical practice and weight bias and racial bias. I think those are the three big ones, in my opinion. Um, Because I think, like, beyond just, like, alternative options, I think that that's huge, too. Like, the way that... um, the way that women are treated as their pain being less valid especially women of color that's huge the way that like if an overweight woman especially goes into the doctor and it's usually just told to lose weight even if they have like a tumor growing in their abdomen you know that's that's huge too um and that just goes down to like individual doctor accountability and these like systemic things that disincentivize doctors from paying attention to more subjective matters and like ways that patients express pain um, but in terms of like women supporting or organizing, was that kind of your question? I'd say like vote for people who have a track record of supporting women like Bernie Sanders. I mean, it's so easy to tell that he has been in this from day one and vote for local and state level progressives too. I think that people c- don't realize how important it is to have strong feminist leaders and progressives in local and state office. Um, right now in our state house, uh, Democrats are a super minority and that's a huge problem. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have to be that way just because it's Tennessee. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, it, there's we have a responsibility to educate ourselves as voters too. And as a congressional candidate, obviously, not just to be educated on the issues, but to understand what the constituency is actually concerned about and represent those concerns. So being an educated voter is huge. Gotcha. And there's also various nonprofits and stuff that deal with these. We'll try to list some in the descriptions to the video in the comments, too. Mm -hmm. So, well, it was great having you guys on. Thank you so much for having us. All right. Thanks.